Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it. Presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? Welcome back to Here's a Solution. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a bit of a hiatus. So I know when we talked about scheduling and getting back into potting, it was, is that what we call it? Potting? I don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is now. Okay. I, I know we didn't really want to have like a specific topic or thing we're addressing or looking at. And I know we've been putting out, and I'm going to use that word we very liberally because I know it's been all new, Chels. Putting out just a couple questions and, and things out on the Instagram and that to get some topics and some ideas flowing, which we will absolutely be getting to. But I know we just wanted to almost have like a reintroduce ourselves yeah. kind of podcast and just sort of, you know, talk a little bit about the hiatus and yeah. things about it, but kind of open it up and, and honestly kind of just give it to you to yeah. share as much um, of what you want to. Yeah. So listener, I hope this um, minute of banter is enough to warm you up for the <laughs> saddest story ever. What happened was February 28th, I uh, worked during the day. Uh, and then at about nine o'clock that evening, I got a phone call that my my boyfriend Mitchell, who was a pilot, he had left um, Nikina flying to Fort Hope at around 12 o'clock that day, um, and his plane never made it to Fort Hope. And so we didn't know anything that night on for five days. There was a five-day search. On the fifth day to Saturday, the plane was found, and um, neither Mitchell nor the the co-pilot had survived. So that is, in a very small nutshell, what has happened. And so then I called Emily. So the the 28th, I got to to his parents' house, we were up all night waiting, hoping that like that it would just be like a couple hours and they'd be found in, in a, a forest. All right. Uh, that's not what happened. But so then the next morning I realized I had to tell Emily because I was not in a state to be working. Um, so called her and let her know. And then pretty much did not work for three months after. He was found on... March 1st, I believe. No, that can't make sense if it was February 28th. I don't even know what day it was. I don't even know days anymore. Okay. It was like five days later. And then we had the funeral a couple weeks later. And then a week after the funeral, I had to finish. I had one more placement and then I would be finished university. Like I just had to complete this one placement and that was all my qualifications to graduate. So I really had to get that done. So I stayed off work um, getting that done. And then I came back... I don't even know when it was. Like, beginning of May, I guess. Beginning of May, yeah. Yeah, and then we had... I I jumped right back in. We had two major, literally back-to-back conferences in June, the beginning of June. And here we are. It's been, like... It's kind of funny, like, how this podcast... um, This is about employee relations. Emily's background is in employee relations. And this was the type of situation that was, like, you never expect something like this to happen no you know it's not something that you think like parents die like people get divorced like those are like the life things that get in the way you don't expect your boyfriend's plane to literally fall out of the sky 
Um, and that's what happened. And so I was just extremely, extremely lucky to have um, an employer that talked the talk, but also walked the walk in terms of um, helping me deal with the situation. Obviously, like not working for three months is like a big financial thing. So I, I blew through my savings pretty quickly. Um, and I'm like fine to openly talk about the fact that Emily um, was right there to be very flexible in my pay, to pay me for things that I had not yet done, um, which I was, to say I'm appreciative is uh, an understatement. And then to get back to work, for me going back to work was beneficial. Like I love my job and I like, not like, that's not really the word, I need to like focus on something outside of what's going on in my personal life. But for like the first couple months, I couldn't even do that. It, I, it wasn't even that I could just go and focus on work. There was just too much going on in, in my personal life to be able to do that. So yeah, so here we are um, into this like new normal, I suppose. Um, it's like a very, very scary feeling having like literally your entire life change in like one day, like who I was on February 28th at like 8.30 p.m. is no longer a person, you know? So um, to, to have my my work and my boss um, support me in now being that new person and just trying to make this new life as as like normal as it possibly can be. Um, it's very emotional. It's, it's um, I'm very appreciative. I hate that I'm in that situation, but I'm appreciative that I, I have Emily and all of that um, beside me during it. So that's that's essentially the hiatus. Um, I do want to say thank you so much. I know we, we were sharing a little bit about it um, on social media. So I just want to say thank you so much for the the well wishes, um, the prayers, uh, the, the good thoughts that people were sending. Um, you like don't realize how much that's going to mean to you until you're in a situation where you're, you're getting it. It's like literally the only thing that like, getting you through. So I want to say a very, very big thank you to Emily. I want to say thank you so much to Amanda and Shannon for all of their incredible support. I hope they are listening. Um, I think there's some of our listeners. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone. And yeah, let's get, let's get potting. <laughs> it's a word now. We're just going to make it our word. That's what it's like with, um, because people will say to you, like, how are you doing? You know? And they mean it, obviously. Yeah. But, like, I'm someone that's very uncomfortable. I don't want to make other people uncomfortable, even though they're not thinking about that and I get it. But, like, someone will say, like, how are you doing? And I'll get into it for, like, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And I'm like, okay, so how are you doing? <laughs> Anyways. But that's just... That's that. And it kind of harkens back to when we first had that podcast about difficult conversations around, you know, the people that ask you that. I think you know the people and probably the situation. Like if we were sitting here without the microphones in front of us, maybe even just working, and I, you know, turned to you and was just like, hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a safe place. I'm a safe person. You can... You can be real and you can yeah. tell me, like, it, I'm not doing well. Yeah, like, well, and, and it's hard because you don't think about these things until you're in this type of situation. But it's, like, from from February 28th, like, I've not had a good day since then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, like, you – and it, it's hard because then people will say, no, this isn't true. But you can't go to people every day and be like, today's a bad day. 
you know? Yeah. And well, and I'm sure there's moments within the days that are, you know, on the sliding scale. of Yes, like, 100%. Okay, and, like, the moments. But, no, I mean, I, I think anybody who has lost someone or gone through, like, like you said, a a truly life-changing moment where, like you said, at 8.30 p.m. on February 28th, that was a version of you. Mm-hmm. And that is no longer the who you are. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think it's impossible for you to quantify that into one day and say, yes, I'm okay today. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I might be a little bit better than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Or you might be worse. Mm-hmm. Well, it has made <laughs> me realize how much grief is non-linear. You know, like I, I found what's, I've been kind of going through these cycles where I'll have one week where I can really push it out of my head um, and I can really focus on work and focus on other things. And, and it's, it's there. It's not that it's, I'm not normal. Don't get me wrong, but I can function and I'll have a couple of days like that. And then I'll swing to the other side of it where it is like, I've talked to my therapist about this. Like it, it's unbearable. Like this is an unbearable weight. This is unbearable grief. And then it's, it's then when it's maintaining your life like you have to maintain your life you know you still have bills that need to be paid like there's things to do um yeah it was it was crazy like I would say the the most normal I felt during all of this the most I felt like myself was during the second of two conferences the first conference I was good too I guess it was the whole thing it was both conferences one started on a Thursday went from right Thursday yeah no okay. sorry well, I mean, we kind of started getting ready on Thursday, but it started on the Friday. Yeah. yeah. So there was like a week. There was like a Thursday a to solid Friday. Straight. And that <laughs> was like the most that I felt like Chelsea because it was like 15 hour days. There's no, in event planning, there's no time to stop and like reflect on yourself. You know, there's always a person asking for directions, asking for something there's a task that needs to be done. There's someone to be registered, all of that. And that is where like, I, I didn't have to think about everything going on. And I just felt like I was in my element and it was really good. But also that was like a week. You can't like sustain that. But now it's just, it's um, just bringing that back into like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like in that that period, it, it was like this very all or nothing thing where it was all work. I did not have to think about my personal life you know I got up at five was at the conference for seven didn't get home till 11 went straight to bed like I didn't have to think about it and that was really nice but now adjusting back into dealing with everything going on and then also getting my life done do you know what I mean like going to work going to like appointments just things like that it's Um, back to that balance and I mean I know in our world it's it has a lot of those abs and flows of we're going to be insane and busy for these three or four days. And then there's going to be downtime. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, like you said, it's, it's trying to figure out how to adjust to, you know, during those down times, like, what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, well, and I, uh, so during my placement, they were on the whole, they were incredible and they were in a really awkward position where, so I had to, my placement was, set to begin about two weeks after everything happened and I had to t- email them during the search and say I, I don't know what is going to be the outcome regardless I would like to do the placement but while we're still searching for the plane I can't 
be thinking about any of that stuff. And they were so understanding. Um, they were in such an awkward position. They literally did not know me as a person. Right. <laughs> at all. But then during the placement, like it was, it was hard. And I, I was taking some time off. I was just not myself in any capacity. And then during the placement, we had, so my group of friends, Mitchell and I were in the same group of friends. We've all gone to elementary school together. We've all grown up together. Another member of that group of friends um, passed away on a Sunday. They told me the placement, they, they were so sorry in their understanding, but they really didn't know how they could make any more time off work. Right. You know, and, and I get that, but it's just such that hard feeling of like, I've reached the end of the help. Do you know what I mean? And there's only, and but it's realistic. Like, I get it. Like, there's only so much that a place can yeah. give, you know? I mean, and it brings up a really interesting question um, around, you know, and, and maybe it's different from, like, our office working dynamic where, you know, it's, it's just me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I felt like it was a no-brainer and easy for me to accommodate whatever you needed. And I get it when you get into maybe a larger organization where there's more people and more things and I get that it you know it being tied to school and a placement there's there's so many elements but I I do think it brings up an interesting conversation around okay so in their maybe linear thinking of you're supposed to do this many days or this many hours and we've accommodated this much we don't know if we can accommodate more I still think and I would still push employers and organizations to to expand to think about other things other ways like how else could you help somebody figure it out like in what world does somebody lose two people from a friend group in less than 30 days Mm -hmm. like you can't you can't even like Hollywood can't make this up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I get it. Like it's an it's a very interesting position on both sides. Mm-hmm. Because you going to someone, it's like, how do I even broach this conversation? Like you said, when you had to talk to them about your placement, you didn't know them and they didn't know you. Mm-hmm. And then this other tragic life event happened and you have to go back and talk to them again. Like I again I implore employers to to think about that. Like how awful is it for an employee to have to share this? Mm-hmm. So I just say there's probably a thousand other ways that things could go and I just think that in these situations rules and guidelines they almost need to be forgotten mm-hmm. and you need to go back to like the the human side mm-hmm. of of human you know resources and and be like lean into your empathy more mm-hmm. than anything and well, just be like we'll figure well, this out yeah and when it makes you realize how much like humans want things to be like neat and tidy you know so yeah. you're at work and whatever is your situation you know you're, you're going on stress leave for six weeks and that's great and then but then when you come back like those six weeks are over and and the expectation is just kind of that that will be dealt with and like shelved away, you yeah. know, like you took your break and now you're back, but that's often not how humans work. Yeah. 
Well, and and I mean, I've talked to employers and and other people. It's like you said, specifically about the stress leave, about how there's you know there's a limited time when you are on whether you're taking it as your sick days, and then that could flow into short term disability, and then that could fl- flow into long term disability. But it is so interesting the hurdles and the hoops. Mm-hmm. that you have to navigate to access certain resources mm-hmm. in order to maintain that. And and I, I mean, I only know from a couple examples and things that people have talked to me about, but I know in one case when I was talking to an employee that went back to work after being on a leave and they almost felt like they had no options mm-hmm. because they were working with their primary care provider, like a family doctor, and they had been trying to handle things. I don't want to use the word holistically, but they were trying to manage things through diet, exercise, and, and those versus going the pharmaceutical route. Mm-hmm. And not to say that one is better than the other, but they had just sort of said like, you know, before I attempt that, I would like to try it this way. And they had found out that due to them wanting to do it that way, part of their claim for long-term to be off longer Mm -hmm. was denied. Wow. Because they chose not to go a pharmaceutical route. Right. And so again, I just, I feel like there's so many things that, like you said, it has to fit into a certain box. It has to check certain things. And and again, like I think we said it like day one in this podcast, people aren't computers. People mm-hmm. can't just go through and like, oh, I'm just going to do this quick bug fix. And then, yeah. you know, no more bad things are going to happen. Well, and, and what makes me think with that story, what you're saying is even though my situation is so different than that, it wasn't a health thing. I think what they both have in common is you feel like you have lost all control of your life. Yeah. You know, all of these things are putting on you that, I have, I've lost, I've lost everything. I've lost all control over my life. And now I can't even pick my, my treatment plan without there being like a denial. I don't know. It just, it frustrates me because I think, again, you don't, you don't have to go through like a similar situation. There's just universal baggage that comes up when you're, when you're dealt a shitty hand. And I just feel like through all of this, like I've, I've gained so much more empathy for which is, which is silly to say because you don't you don't know what it's like till you've gone through it you know yeah. but I've, I've just gained so much more empathy for people that no matter what people say you will feel the pressure to maintain some sort of normalcy for the the comfort of others right you know and I and I understand and I appreciate when people are saying like no 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 that's not true but I know my personality I know that I'm a people pleaser and I I think about others not before I think about myself necessarily, but like I can tell when I tell people like sad things, like it's upsetting for them, you know? And it's hard to make people feel uncomfortable with my stuff going on. You know, that's not easy for me to be in the, I think what it is is to be in a vulnerable position, you know? And, and I'm in, I'm surrounded by people that let me be vulnerable and want me to be vulnerable. Whereas I think there's definitely... I could be in a, a job and in a situation where they would not be as much understanding. I don't know, like long-term, like real understanding. When I go back to think about like 
March 1st, basically, mm-hmm. when I initially got that text from you. And again, like the, the subsequent days of not knowing what was going to happen and what this was going to look like. All I could think about was, and again, me being independent and entrepreneur, all I could think about was in knowing who you are. I didn't want you to worry about me, the business, all the things that we had going on. And, and it was, it, it's one of those things where I think I could easily say that, like, hey, Chelsea, don't worry, like, take mm-hmm. all the time you need. But I also thought back to times in my life, in my career, when I have wanted, like you said, to not just hear the talk, but see the actions mm-hmm. that support it. And, and that's one thing that I think I tried to do quickly with you so that you didn't just feel like it was lip service. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I didn't have a playbook on <laughs> no. how to do this, but I legit just thought like, if, if I was ever working and I was in a situation, what would I want my employer to do? What have I experienced when I've gone through things that my employers did not do? Mm-hmm. Where have I been let down? And how do I take all of that knowledge and understanding and make it so that you have no worries mm-hmm. <laughs> truly mm-hmm. when it comes to us and, and I think it helped because you're a rock star and I wanted you to know that in no in no way were, was I ever replacing you or you know losing you and that at the end of the day however you decided to come back we were going to figure it out um and and I just think like in the world of employee relations like when you have those amazing people and staff you want to support them Mm -hmm. like I was thinking back to the interview and the the conversation we had with Kate from Stella Wax Bar Mm -hmm. and you know she was telling me about how she supports her staff and about how it honestly looks different for almost every single employee she has you know Mm -hmm. she now has a third location Right. And, and it's more remote management because they're, you know, a couple hours away from here in right. Bay. And so it just made me think like, yes, you can have overall guidelines and like code of conduct and sort of like a general understanding of, you know, this is how we operate here. But you can still be very individual with your employee support. Mm-hmm. And and I think it actually it can work on a big level it can work on a micro level I I think the more you individualize that and are able to show people like it's one thing I think back to what I basically tell my kids every day (laughs) is that it's not always going to be equal Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cut the cookie down the center every single time Mm -hmm. but it's going to be fair exactly you know so and, and I think that's I think that's something that we should really be striving for as employers to be fair, not perfect, mm-hmm. not completely, you know, like I said, never hundred percent equal. But if I think if you can show that you're a fair employer, you're going to have that come back to you with, you know, your employees are going to feel that and they're going to come back and they're going to be, I don't like using the word loyal, but I, I think you're going to have them want to be in your corner. For sure. And I mean, this was actually not something that we had ever talked about, but like leading up to 
the two conferences, it was so bizarre to me because I've never been in a situation where like my mind and my body were just in two separate like I would wake up in the morning and I'd be like I want to go to work I want to get this this and this done and my brain was just like no that's not happening and that's really frustrating and and I found that the stress of the two conferences coming up which typically would have been totally manageable stress you know yeah was so overwhelming just because of I already had just such a little amount left in me with stress that any amount was intolerable, yeah. you know? And so I remember going to my therapist and being like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do these conferences. I don't know if I have it in me. And and she was like, well, like, you need to go to your employer and and say that then. And I was like, no. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> because... I knew I I had it in me. Like, I was not losing hair or anything like that, you know? Like, and I was like, no, like, I just... She gave me every opportunity to say, no, I can't. This is too much. I can't do it. And I did not take those. And so now, a week and a half out (laughs) to to be like, no, never mind. Like, I can't do that as a person. And so I had this one really good therapy session, all of that, went home. And because... Even in the best circumstances, I have that anxiety of, like, when you just have to get started. Yeah. You know? Like, you just have to start. You just have to do something. And then once you started, you can get... But if, before you start, like, the anxiety is so bad. So I went back home after the the therapy session, and I cleaned my inbox, my email inbox. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. I got a task done. Let's start. <laughs> and so that was all the the volunteer stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then once I got started, it was fine. But I think what my point of me saying this is you can have an incredible employer and all of that, but then you need to recognize that and then have a little bit, like the employer can only support you so much. You also have to support yourself. Yeah. But the driving motivation for me was like, Emily believes in me so much. Emily has given me so many resources. Like Emily believes that I can do this. So then I believe that I can do this, you know? And so then I got through it. And I didn't even tell you about all this till right now. Right. Um, And it was fine. And I I hope you never even knew. Um, No. (laughs) um, But no, but it was really one of those moments where it was like I was in the... Emily's seeing the motion I'm making. The bottom of the hill. Like I was in the low part, you know? And and I was like, I I genuinely, I don't know. I don't know if I have this in me. And, And but it was all of the support that my employer was giving me made me realize that I could support myself. Those tools are tools. Do you know what I mean? Like you are giving me something to work with. Okay, good. You know, no, it is good. It's (laughs) great. Um, But no, there was just this like mountain behind me that made me realize like I can do this. And then I did. And now we're, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the other side. And and I, I know, and I swear to God, there's like a Instagram thing out there where it's like, you know, I did the thing that I've been thinking about for a week and it took me five minutes while yeah. I learn anything from this. No, no, exactly. <laughs> but it was. And, and now having done the two conferences, like do, again, like doing those two conferences were the most normal I felt, Yeah, you know, since February. Like I, I felt like me, like who I am as a person. And if I had just said, no, I'm not going to do them, then I wouldn't have that feeling, you know, and right. I wouldn't know that that's possible, I guess. Yeah. 
Well, and, and hopefully knowing that once the conferences were done, there was going to be some solid downtime. Yeah, there was. Yeah. And we could all just take days to lay in our beds and just, you know, count the little flecks on, yeah, the, on ceiling. the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I think, yeah, it was like, I don't know. It's so hard because, and at the same time, like I still have days where, so I have, I have reoccurring like nightmares right now and they often happen right before I wake up. And, and to be like a long story short, basically the, the nightmare is that like Mitchell is alive. Um, like what has happened, it happened, but then all of a sudden it's a miracle, he's alive. And then I wake up and my very, very first thought of the day is that's not real, like that's not true. And so it's it's really hard to start your day on that, you know? Yeah. And so there are days where like, that's the start of it. And I, I'm sure in the future it'll be like, there's gonna be a day where it's like, uh, I can't come in today, you know, like just a bad day and that's okay. But at the same time, if, if I had said no to those conferences and I wasn't going to do them, I would stay home all day. I would lay in bed and be sad. And either way, he's still gone. Do you know what I mean? Or you can like get up and try to force yourself. And again, you can't do this every day. No. Like you have to allow yourself some grace. But I was really anxious about these conferences, but I made myself do it a bit, you know, like kind of forced myself. And then it worked out really well. It'd be interesting if there's organizations or, or people out there that are open to sharing, you know, their good and their bad experiences. And just sort of if you're an employer or a manager within an organization and you are struggling with working with employees that have maybe gone through tough life events, because I think as we chatted about a couple episodes ago, I don't know, it's <laughs> there's been a lull. And it's funny because I just finished... Um, teaching a course. I teach one course at our university here around workplace conflict and negotiation. And so sometimes now I'm mixing up my lectures with <laughs> podcasts. But, you know, where where we talk about it is impossible to walk in the door. And I'm going to use the proverbial door because it could be an office, it could be a salon, it could be, you know, a, a medical facility, but like you're walking into your work and it is impossible. I, I will 100% say this. For you to leave everything mm-hmm. that happened previous to you walking in that door. Yeah, exactly. On the other side. Yeah. And so how do you manage the messiness of people and and give them the empathy? Maybe push them to still, like you were saying, like push, but give them that confidence and maybe those resources to be like, no, but you can still do this mm-hmm. work. But then where is that that gray area of, okay, so the workday might not look like our traditional workday. We mm-hmm. might need to adjust. We might need to offer some resources. And it, and I get that it even adds an extra layer of difficulty if you're working within an organization that has different rules and regulations mm-hmm. that, you know, like if you're in here, now you have to be in here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you bring in things like union and, and, and what that could, that could do. So... I understand it is a Pandora's box of complexity, but I'd be interested if people are just struggling and sort of saying like, okay, well, here's my situation. Like, what do I do? Um, and, I, and I think it would be great to hear back from people just, you know, uh, about good experiences they've yeah. had. Yeah, too. absolutely. Well, like I made a comment earlier about like the more typical tragedies, like a, a divorce or something like that. I think everyone has something that has happened in their life that is debilitating you know and 
like my situation was I don't know how to put it because it, it's not it's not more or less sad than any other tragedy it's just it was a plane crash like that's so that's like a movie you know there was a search yeah. all of this stuff but like anything like a parent in a long-term illness you know like anything like that it's devastating it ruins your life and it's de- devastating and everyone is carrying something like that yeah you know that has happened at some point in their life there were so many people that told us I was literally I was getting my nails done for my convocation so this was like a couple months after Mitchell had passed and the the nail tech was um just making conversation and asking me where I was from when I was in school and all that and she said oh do you have a boyfriend and I knew if I said no the conversation was gonna like turn to dating and being single and I didn't I didn't want to talk about that yeah and so I just said no my, my boyfriend passed away a couple months ago and she just looked at me and said that happened to me too when I was 19 and like you would never <laughs> know that about a person no. you know there were so many people that came forward with like I I, I watched my best friend die 20 years ago what and these and but there's a sense of it that's almost like reassuring because it's like I thought you were a normal person up until 30 seconds ago you know and so yeah I I would love to hear from listeners about how their workplaces supported them or what you wish your workplace had done yeah because like I said I think that was my only playbook with how to navigate some stuff as a like you know when I went through stuff what did I wish every previous manager, director, executive person in my life had done. And then also how, in ways do I remember being supported? Mm -hmm. And how do I create that to be what I want to offer to you? And and, and how will that work? And yeah, I mean, like we said, it's like, I think what you said is absolutely correct. Nobody's not walking around without something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And I think, you know, layering on top whatever the pandemic has done, Yeah. right? Like, that's changed the way people want to work Mm -hmm. and view work and just the daily life. So layered on top of that with, you know, tragedy and loss and and, and that. So So that's where we are today. What's the hiatus? Yeah, I I just think I, I always remind myself that there are so many days where I'm like, I get up and I'm like, I cannot do work today. But I, I often find that going to work, I, I never like go to work and then be like, I wish I didn't go, you know? And I think that's hopefully as like an employer, like that's that's what you want for your employees, you know? Like I, I really have found in the past couple of months that my work has been like almost a bit of self-care, which... I don't think you can often say about work, <laughs> right? but it is because it, it's the place where it's like, no, I get to go here and focus on work, which is a thing that I, I love what I do. And so it's, it's kind of a safe haven, you know, as much as it can be. And then in the ways that it can't be, I have so much support, you know? So I, I would just hope that everyone gets that. Yeah. We also have like really good bubbly flavors here. So. Yeah. We have American bubbly flavors. They're better. <laughs> and the Nespresso. And it's pink. One thing that we had been doing before was talking about, like, what are you doing for yourself lately? And I think we kind of talked about changing it up a bit Mm -hmm. and actually talking about, I mean, in a way, stuff we're doing for ourselves, but focusing more on what we are reading because we 
would like to kind of start a book club Mm -hmm. without it being like a book club. Mm -hmm. But I have so many piles of books at my house and in the office that are related to a lot of the topics that we do here. And so I'd really love to be sharing a bit of that with everybody, but also knowing that to both of us, reading is sort of when we get to step away from Mm -hmm. work. And even if I'm reading a worky kind of book, Mm -hmm. it's still a step away. Yeah, exactly. Um, So do you want to go first with what you're reading? Sure. So I have been in and out of a book called Tarnished, and it's by Marianne Kerr. And she worked for several organizations, nonprofits in major donor type roles. Um, and one of the areas in which we focus on here, um, so one of the arms of the, the business with Emily Shader Solutions is uh, philanthropic consulting. And so I have found her book fascinating in because in, it is also very much related to the ways in which nonprofit organizations treat their employees Mm. and why she left or in one case was fired. Um, And so it kind of ticks a lot of boxes and things that I'm interested in. And I have been reading parts of it, highlighting, you know, dog earing the, the book pages and then going back and forth between that and one of my more just self care books, which is fantasy novels where I get to read about my dragons and fairies and things like that. But I I do want to do more of a deep dive into it, um, maybe in a quick solo podcast, uh, or I'll lend it to you, Chelsea. Yeah, I would love to read it, yeah. it's um, She's a very, very good writer. Like, it's very conversational, and so mm-hmm. it's very interesting. So, yeah, so I'll... I'll um, I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes as well. But yeah, it's published sure. by Marianne Kerr. Awesome. Okay, so I haven't actually started reading anything lately, but I was at, I'm going to do a little shout out. On Friday, I went to Pretty Fly Co., which is on um, Algoma Street. Beautiful little local business. And we, me and my cousin went, she'd never been there before. And so we were just like checking things out. I was buying a print and the owner... Ida? Yeah. So she had this like little bookshelf in front of her, her like little cashier stand. And she said, all these books are free. Like you can, you can just have one. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, And she said her, her friend is a book reviewer and just has so many books that she just has to give them away. And so she gave them a a bunch to have it pretty Flyco, and she was just handing them out. And so I I bought this, or I didn't even buy it. I just took it. This book, um, Dava Shastri's Last Day by uh, Kirthana Ramasetti. I love books. This is such a specific genre. I love books about like Jackie Kennedy types. Oh, Do you know okay. what I mean? And yeah. so the the front cover is like a very like elegant looking woman with big black sunglasses on. Um, and so it, it piqued my interest. And so the the description is Davastrashi's last day is a story about ambition and greatness, wealth and family, full of secrets, love and music, and those eternal pop song compliments, heartbreak and hope. It's a gripping, deeply satisfying story about one woman's tremendous life and the infinitely complicated ways we create our own legacies. Wow. Yeah. So I haven't started reading it yet, but I'm really excited. And so I just wanted to shout out um, Pretty Fly Co. for having free books. Like that's just so incredible to me it's like one of those little 
neighborhood lending library yeah but inside a really really awesome store well and it, it's like not to get like cliche right now but like I've definitely noticed like almost like every day since everything has started there's been like something really minor that just like makes my day you know and it's like that's like my like little thing and that was kind of mine on Friday like a free book like hell yeah that's awesome so yeah so I'm gonna read that um I will also put it in the show notes um and I think it's going to be great. So I, I already highly recommend it. Great. Great. Well, again, thanks for everyone's patience during our hiatus. And we look forward to many more podcasts coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we're going to be sticking some uh, topic ideas and things like that in our Instagram. So please let us know what you are interested in having us chat about And there will be some cool new guests coming up. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to my um, sad story. Again, once again, thank you so much to all the well wishes and good thoughts that were sent my me and my family's way these past couple months. Um, I honestly appreciate it more than you know. And I'm really excited to not talk to you about sad things again. Um, but happy things in the world of employee relations. So we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution, presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandrick Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandrick is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. For more information, visit emilyshandrucksolutions.com.